Protocols are the established code of procedure or behavior in any situation. They restrict chaos in the misuse of a gift and release greater safety and freedom within which to minister and receive ministry. We're entering a time of great prophetic release, and in order to minister wisely in that power, the Lord is releasing understanding of what is foundational. In this episode of Keep It 100, we're going to share on prophetic protocols, why you must see prophecy differently, and hear from prophetic minister and author Jennifer LeClaire. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Welcome to Keep It 100. We are the Smiths. Hey, everybody. And we are beyond excited to bring you the podcast this week. But before we talk about this week, we need to talk to you about last week. Oh, my goodness. Last week was amazing in terms of our ministry, right? Honestly, we had so many God assignments. And last week, I just found myself again and again just going, wow, God, you've really placed us with such intention with every place where a door's opened. And we were in Dallas on Friday. And then Saturday, uh, we flew to Huntsville. So Sunday morning, we split Huntsville. and, And then we went on to Pittsburgh. But each location, we saw the power and the presence of God. And it was awesome. We had incredible ministry and deliverance in Dallas. I love that because more and more, I feel like deliverance is going to become a bigger thing in churches. I so agree. Because number one, I believe that the enemy has tried to hold people back, but God is very intentional about setting captives free. Yes. And the other thing is God is raising the anointing so the enemy can't hide. Come on. And so it was awesome in that Dallas service as we came to conclusion of the service that there was a guy that just got delivered on a spot and he got baptized in the Holy Ghost. so cool. Then at Huntsville, that was amazing, right? It was awesome. We got to share the Sunday morning services. I took the 9 a.m., you took the 11. And I mean, just the power and the presence of God and specifically in your service, baby. I love this. So many people gave their lives to Jesus. It was incredible. You know, I think we're in a season right now and Keep It 100 Tribe. uh, I just want you to just be challenged that your friends, neighbors, people that you come across, people are hungry yes. for truth and they're looking for anchor points in the midst of the storm that we've called 2020 and now 2021. And so just be open to sharing your testimony, sharing the gospel of the kingdom. And as we did it, people give their life to Christ. It was and so you could powerful. Sense it was very genuine. Yes. And there was families that stood. I looked around and I, you know this about me, I always cry with salvations because to me, I will never tire of people surrendering to Jesus. It was so amazing. Then we went to Pittsburgh, yeah. which was really just prophetic because yes. we were at a prophetic gathering of some high-level prophets, just kind of talking about what God is saying to the nation. And all of a sudden, they began to gather together and there came a convergence over us and they began to prophesy over us about an assignment that we would have in Pittsburgh. Right. And lo and behold, we get an invitation, you in particular, to come and to preach on Christian television in yes. Pittsburgh. Oh, it was, I was so honored and I was really excited because Sean's been on TV before, but I really haven't. And so, but I wanted to. So this door open was really exciting for me. And then to receive the prophetic word on top of that about Pittsburgh and to be able to be there in person on the ground. And the people at the station were just awesome. I just loved them. And we 
really saw God move and it was a, such an honor to partner with them. And then you got brought up on the second part of that segment and we got to be a part of any kind of an interview process and just kind of share what we felt like God was saying and even prophesy to the airwaves, prophesy to listeners and people watching and move prophetically and words of knowledge. And I'm just so excited about that because I feel like that is so where we're at. We're in such a digital age and using it for kingdom, using it for salvations, using it for the gifts is so exciting to me because it has such a broader reach than what we would have maybe just being in one location. And we heard that that Cornerstone Network had a 6 million people reach yeah. and even in other nations. So that was yeah. really amazing. Really incredible. You know, I tell you what, we are so excited about today's topic because we know that the prophetic is on a lot of people's minds right now. And Sean and I are really passionate about the prophetic ministry and the credibility of the prophetic ministry. And we really believe that the prophetic accuracy is so essential. And yet the manner of the delivery, particularly heart of the prophetic is also really important. So we're calling this today's episode, Prophetic Protocol. And I also believe it's very important for this season because obviously there were a lot of prophetic words from people as it related to the former president yes. winning a re-election and serving a second term and that did not happen. We mm -hmm. have a new president. And so in the midst of that, there were some people that were disillusioned, people that didn't understand. So we wanted to address that, yes. uh, which for many is the elephant in the room. And at the same time, like you said, Krista, we believe in the prophetic. The Bible tells us, Paul wrote in the letter of Corinthians, to despise not prophecies. And so it's so important that we look at that gift in the way that the Bible tells us to. You know, I'm really excited because we're taking a couple of episodes to really address this topic. And so today I think it's so critical because we're going to be answering some key questions, giving some parameters for healthy biblical prophetic ministry. And in some later conversation, really address what you just talked about. How do we deal with the prophetic movement and ministry in a time where it feels like there was not a fulfillment of what was prophesied? So we're going to hit the Hundo P segment. And so in that, of course, we love to Take questions. I have a question for Krista. Should you always share what you feel you have received from the Lord? Ooh, great question. You know, the real simple answer to that question is no. And I say that simply because of this. As a prophetic voice myself, I've always learned that my relationship with the Lord, and yes, I'm a prophetic voice, and yes, the Lord uses me prophetically, but I'm first and foremost his daughter. I'm his kid. And so the father shares secrets with his intimates. He shares secrets with his friends and his people that he are in communion and communication with him. And as a person that waits on the Lord, and if you're a prophetic person, you should certainly be waiting on the Lord and spending daily time True. with him. And in that, God's going to share things with you just because he shares it with you. As a prophetic person, you can create a habit that everything you hear needs to be said. It needs to be blogged. It needs to be put on social media. It needs to be uh, put out to the airwaves. It needs to be said to the masses. And I call that public consumption. So let me say it like this. Not everything you get from the Lord as a prophetic person needs to be used for public consumption. Not so Everything is for public consumption. And I think that's really important to learn because sometimes when you release things prematurely or you don't have permission to release it and you do, you create an unnecessary mess or you affect the credibility of your prophetic ministry and how God wants to use you. In order to be a trusted, mature vessel of the prophetic ministry, we have to understand there's a question you have to ask. And I learned this early on. You always need to be asking the question whenever you hear something from the Lord, do I have permission? 
permission to share this. There are many things that the Lord shares with me that I never share publicly. And that is very intentional because I want the Lord to know he can trust me, that I'm not trying to build my own ministry. There's times where I have been told things and I know that it could kind of give me an inside edge if I release it or prophesy it. It could maybe make me look good if I declare that publicly, like I have an inside scoop. It's not about my ego being stroked. It's not about my reputation or my ministry being built, but rather it's about being a trusted vessel of the Lord that what he shares with me, I will only release it if I have permission to do so. So there's some important questions you need to be asking when you do receive stuff. Lord, what do I do with this? Who is it for? And if he says it is for people, when do I say it? How do I say it? The timing of it, the package of it. Those are some basic parameters to have a healthy, credible, God-centered, God-focused prophetic ministry that is essential to know when you receive something, what do you do with it? Now with that, Sean, there's some questions that are coming your way. Question for you, Sean. What do you feel is currently the most misuses of the prophetic? That is a great question. I believe in this season, and we're in a very unique season, as it relates to prophetic expression, I believe there's a principle that I feel really encapsulates the greatest misuse of the prophetic in this season. And the principle is this. Prophecy cannot be used as a cover for directing people to your way of thinking. And I think the temptation is that we all want to convince people of what we believe to be true. We want people to adopt the convictions we have. The only problem with that is that prophetic ministry should not be a format for our opinion because the purpose of the prophetic is to support and confirm the will of God in people's lives, not to manipulate them. In fact, it is illegal to use the prophetic to solicit loyalties or to engage in manipulative behavior. And I feel like once we put the God said tag on it, there really isn't any room for debate or question. And so sometimes people don't want to have an honest conversation on things. And so they throw God's name on it and God's quotes on it, i.e. prophetic ministry, in a way that kind of directs people to to your way of thinking. But we have to remember the Purity of the prophetic is to bring people to the mind of Christ. So good. As we bring people to the mind and the heart of Christ, then we're truly being a true mouthpiece for the Spirit of God. Those are some nuggets right there. I love what you just said. That was so powerful. You know, Keep It 100 Tribe, get ready because we're about to have an interview with Jennifer LeClaire. Now, if some of you I know are so excited because you know who she is, for those of you that don't, Jennifer is a senior leader of Awakening House of Prayer in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, but she's also formally served as the first ever female editor of Charisma Magazine. She's a prolific author. Guess how many books she has authored? 50 books. And she's a part of the Apostolic Council Council of Prophetic Elders, which you and I are a part of. So yep. we've bought, gotten to connect with her with that. But she's just an awesome, solid prophetic voice. I'm so excited. Keep it 100 Tribe. Get ready because you're about to get some serious revelation and downloads. Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe, you are in for a tremendous treat. We have a dear friend of ours, an anointed vessel of God, Jennifer LeClaire. Jennifer, so great to have you. Welcome to Keep It 100. Thanks, Sean. It's so good to be here. I love what you guys are doing. Oh, thanks. We have been at several conferences over the years, and Mm -hmm. I just love your plumb line and the fact that you just bring truth. And the first question I just want to ask you, Jennifer, is how did God bring you into the prophetic and what did that look like for you? 
Wow. See, I began to hear the voice of God as soon as I got saved. And I won't get into the long, drawn-out testimony, but the short story is I was falsely accused of a crime that I did not commit, and I landed in jail. And they wanted to put me in prison for five years. And God had other plans. Essentially, uh, the evangelist came through the jail. They preached the gospel. I got saved. And when I did, the Lord spoke to me. He said, you will be out on the 40th day. And it was impossible because the judge was going to be on vacation. They'd actually denied me bail three times, even with an ankle bracelet uh, and, and home arrest. So here I was, and, and here's this voice, you know, you will be on the 40th day. So I just began to tell everybody. I didn't know it, but I was prophesying that I was confessing it. And that was my introduction to being born again is immediately hearing the voice of God. But then I realized that I was hearing from God more than other people about things that God didn't talk to just everybody about. He was revealing secrets to me and it was almost unsettling. I, I was like, why is he telling me all this stuff? So I started submitting it to the pastor at my church and they were like, okay, wait a second. They, they said too, this is, this is more than you just hearing from God. And it really broke open one time. We were at a conference all together and the host was treating my pastor really poorly. And I remember being under just such so, so oppression. I just felt so bad about it. I stayed back in my hotel room to pray and the Lord gave gave me a prophetic word about what was going on, that there was no way on earth that I could possibly know. And when I shared that with them, they said, this is absolutely, you know, you're, you're walking in a high prophetic call. This is not something you could know. And of course, then I connected with Bishop Bill Hammond and you know, he's my spiritual papa and he's wow. uh, helped me along the years and, and just to continue to sharpen that voice. Wow. That is amazing. <laughs> your testimony is so cool. Yeah. You know, I was listening to your testimony a little bit there and, and just how God just dramatically saved you and for that sovereign voice of the Lord to hit you. Sometimes we think we hear the voice of God when we're in this super holy place, but the, the cool thing is God spoke to you even in, in, in a place of incarceration. Yeah. That's, that is amazing. <laughs> oh my is. goodness. You know, you've written this book and I highly recommend to our readers that Jennifer LeClaire has written this book called Prophetic Protocols and Ethics. And she wrote it, or at least it was released uh, during 2020, which is amazing because you kind of got out ahead of the curve because we are in a unique situation right now. Obviously, part of the backdrop is there there have been so many prophetic words about the President Trump. And obviously, we have a new president, President Joe Biden. And uh, there were so many people that still to this day are a little disillusioned, wondering what's going on, wondering what's happening. Then you've got another group that are a bit in denial of reality. And, and hey, I, I want to fight the good fight as much as the next person. But, you know, we're, we're in a democracy and revivals have come under dictators, come under socialists. They've come, in fact, probably more, arguably more revivals have happened under oppressive leadership. And in saying that, I'm not trying to say that the current president is oppressive, but for those that feel like they didn't get their person in the White House, you just got to understand, obviously, the purposes of God supersede who's, who's in the Oval Amen. Office, who's in the throne. But one of the things that maybe I'd like to begin by asking you is in, in the New Testament context of prophecy, as you look at that, Jennifer, what ways can we encourage people that kind of feel like, well, how could the prophetic voices, not all of them, but some miss it like that? And why should we still view the prophetic and the office of prophets in a positive biblical light, even in the midst of maybe missing it? 
What would you say to that? Well, you know, first of all, the prophetic ministry is vital. We need prophets and prophetic ministry. Uh, prophets encourage, edify, comfort. It, it's so much more than prediction. And I think that we have uh, become somewhat mesmerized by people predicting certain things. And, you know, that's fun and it's cool. And, and, and at times it can serve a purpose. It can spur people to pray, especially when it's a warning. You know, if there's something bad can happen, we can predict, hey, the you know, enemy is going to do this. But, you know, the, the prophetic ministry is vital. We are 40 years into the modern day prophetic movement. And this is still a young movement. The difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament prophet, which most people don't seem to, um, maybe they, they haven't been taught, many people haven't been taught anything about the prophetic movement at all. And all of a sudden, in this age we're in, in the season, wow, prophets are everywhere and it's all this. So many people have never even been introduced to the prophetic properly, so they don't understand the differences. In the Old Testament, the prophets spoke as oracles of God. They were, they could not miss it. It was not possible if they missed it, they were deemed a false prophet, like they were stoned. So a true prophet really never missed it. That's why the Bible says none of Samuel's words fell to the ground. But guess what? None of Ezekiel's words fell to the ground. Uh, we don't see any of Isaiah's words falling to the ground either because they were true oracles. In the New Testament, we have a new covenant. And the Bible says in Hebrews that in the Old Testament, God spoke through the prophets. But in this new covenant, God speaks to us through his son, Jesus. And Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they won't follow. So prophets in the New Testament are not oracles in the way they were in the Old Testament. We are three-part beings. God speaks to our spirit. It bubbles up into our soul, and we can have a mixture sometimes. Mike Bickle taught me that many years ago. Uh, he described it that way as, you know, it, you, sometimes it's part you and it's part God. Sometimes we keep talking after God stops talking, or sometimes we don't listen to God finish his sentence before we stop. And we put a period on what he said when he wasn't done. So, you know, those are some nuances we have to understand. I have friends, as you do, we have some common friends who, you know, prophesied a, a, a Trump victory in 2020, two consecutive terms, and it didn't happen. And I love them. We should, but that doesn't mean that we write them off. We all make mistakes. Let me say this and I'll kick it back to you. Jesus Christ is the only perfect prophet. All of us are, uh, we see in part and we know in part, according to what Paul wrote, uh, inspired by the spirit of God in Corinthians. That is so good because really we don't require that of any other office. You know, mm -hmm. pastors have gotten up and they've said, you know, as Moses built the ark, like, oh, wait, no, no, no. And they go back and listen to it. No, it was <laughs> Noah. You know, evangelists, they've missed the mark, misquoted stuff. It all happens. And, and yet we don't yeah. castigate and throw them out. And then obviously, and I love this, and you, you, you covered this. I'm, I'm trying to think. It was either in one of your books that I've written. You've, you've authored quite a few books, over 50 books. But the whole aspect is that it's incumbent upon the body of Christ with the spirit of the Lord within us that we test the word. In the Old Testament, you didn't test the word for many reasons. One, because the word, as you said, that they were bringing that plumb line direct from heaven word. And then the spirit of the Lord didn't indwell all the flesh of the Old Testament. That's the reason why they needed that mediator. But in the new covenant, spirit of God lives in us and we're to test the words. And I think some of the words, and again, I'm not specifically thinking right now of the Trump words, but just in general, I think many times we don't test the words and it's important for us to, to do it. In your book on prophetic protocols and ethics, Jennifer, I love it. You, you hit 60 some odd or more different protocol numbers. Yeah, and it's not meant to be like legalistic. It's just meant to put some boundaries and some some rails on the river. Oh, I love it. So let, let me hit a couple of the protocols that I think are keeping 100 mm -hmm. 
a tribe would love. One of the protocols in your book, Protocol 17, is do admit it if you miss it. One of the prophetic protocols. What did you mean when you said do admit it if you miss it? My goodness. Well, because we are fallible. We are all fallible. The only uh, the only 100% prophet is Jesus. We have to have the humility if we have accidentally led someone astray. So just because we miss it or we get it wrong doesn't mean that we're false prophets. And that's what we're seeing a lot of unfortunate language where people want to pick up stones and throw them at at prophets who miss it. The New Testament prophet can miss it, doesn't make them a false prophet. But, you know, our friend Sean Bowles, we're all friendly and I've been on his podcast a couple of times and we've worked together on some things. And I love what he said to me one day. He said that Mike Bickle one day challenged him because he was prophesying and releasing words of knowledge at IHOP. And uh, this was in an article I wrote in Charisma Magazine as well many years ago. And he said, you know, Mike one day asked me, how do you know that these are accurate? Like, how do you know that these are right? You're prophesying all these people. Are you, are you following up with them? And he did. And he realized that most of the time he was right. Sometimes he was wrong. And, you know, he would let them know, hey, I'm, I'm sorry for that. Like, I, 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 I thought I was hearing from the Lord. Clearly, I wasn't. And that left a really big impression on me. I don't know that before Sean told me that story that I actually ever heard a prophet apologize for missing it. And, you know, I think that it's a very controversial thing to say right now. People are saying prophets should not apologize for missing it. But I think that humility, because they say you can't find a scripture for it. But I think humility is if you've led someone astray or gotten someone's hopes up falsely. I mean, Sean, if I called you and said, hey, I'm going to be at your house at seven o'clock and I'm going to I'm going to bring you know, five movies and we're going to get some pizzas. And then I just didn't call you. And I I. I just left you hanging, I would apologize because I got your hopes up, right? So I think with prophetic ministry, how much more so when we when we say, I'm speaking what God is saying, thus says the Lord, I think that it's responsible. People respect us more if we'll just acknowledge, you know what, I missed it and I'm going to seek how I did so. I love that. And I so... Uh, so agree with you on that. And that actually leads to, because you're you're on a roll, Jennifer, so I'm going to let you go. <laughs> your very next protocol was do learn from your prophetic misses. So in what way can we benefit, you know, your the prophetic folks that have come out and then there has been a pressure by many people that they should not humble themselves, which is uh, a bit odd to me because yeah. God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So how do we learn when we miss it? Because it's not just maybe the person that prophesied as it relates to this election, but many times, you know, there are people that have received prophetic words and maybe they were off. They've given prophetic words. How does that, how can that become a university for them? How can they become, Mm -hmm. how can that become a school for them to learn from their misses? I love how you put that. Well, when you've obviously missed it, and sometimes, listen, sometimes you know this, prophecy takes a long time to play out. Sometimes, and many times, especially with personal prophecy, there are conditions. And so what I don't want to see happen is for people to receive personal prophecy. Let's just take it out of the context of Trump for a moment. People to receive personal prophecy, and it doesn't happen, and they're blaming the prophet, saying the prophet missed it. I could prophesy to you. I could say, Sean, you are going to be a a missionary in Afghanistan, and God's going to use you to bring great revival. But guess what? If you don't get a passport, if you don't learn some of the culture, if you don't make some connections on the ground, then that word of God, that prophecy, it was the will of God, but it's not going to come true because you didn't do your part. So prophecy is largely conditional, and we have to understand that we can prophesy a good word, and it can still not come to pass. So we have to be careful that now prophets don't start getting blamed for everything when clearly there are conditions, unless they prophesied it without conditions, in which case 
if they didn't give a condition, you know, then, then, and I've learned, I learned that from, from mama Cindy. I listened to her over the years and she would, she would prophesy over nations. I mean, not even just personal prophecy, but over nations. And she always, it seemed there, and I'm not saying it was her speaking, it was the Lord inspiring her, but there was always a condition. And I learned to press in and wait for God to give me the condition because there's almost always a condition. So now you've missed it. So let's say we've missed it. Then we do need to make it a university. But as an example, I prophesy that by Friday, you're going to get up out of that wheelchair and then in a year, you're going to be running a marathon. You're going to win. So by Friday, if you're not out of that wheelchair, then I've missed it. If you don't run a marathon in a year, then I've missed at least half of it, even if you got out of the wheelchair. So we have to go back to the Lord and we have to say, okay, God, where did I miss it? Was that my bias? Did I want that person to be healed so badly? Did, did I Was I listening to another spirit? Did I feel so much pressure to say that because everybody around me called me in to pray for this person and they were just so devastated that they just, you know, why did I miss it? And I think if we can take the time with God, he's, he's our teacher, Holy Spirit's our teacher. And if we'll take that time with him, we can learn so much so that we don't make the same mistakes again when I was learning how to ride a bike I remember my dad you know he'd hold it and then he'd let go and I'd fall down and he'd say you know what no you got to keep your head up you got to you got to hold on to the handlebars so you got to pedal faster and so he would coach me and the Holy Spirit he, he didn't hate on us because we miss it he just wants us to learn and we're all learning and all the fivefold and all believers. I love that. Uh, a spiritual mentor of mine, when I first got saved, took me underneath his wing, began to teach me about the prophetic and words of knowledge and everything. And I know that you know him as well, Mario Murillo. And mm -hmm. he was just kind of had a teaching moment. One of the times I was in the service and he would call out words of knowledge for healing and I would go lay the hands on him. And uh, sometimes they'd wow. go out in power, I'd be there. And he said to me one time, and it really freed me. He says, Sean, he says, there are times when I major miss it. And he says, but right after I major miss it, he says, I don't quit because I can't allow fear to dictate my gift. It's to be mm. led by the spirit of God. And he said, but right, I found that right after I would major miss it, I would take risk because there's no such thing as risk-free maturity. You, you're mm. going to have to take risk to grow. Hebrews 5.14, solid food belongs to the mature. Those who by reason of use have their senses trained to discern good and evil. So I love your analogy of riding a bike that you have to find your, your equilibrium on a bike and the same and even seasoned prophets. But then he made this statement and really took it to the next level for me, Jennifer. He says, right after I would major miss it, I would major make it. And that mm. told me that like your protocol, that you redeem those missed words. Could you just touch upon what did you mean when you said redeem as one of your protocols, redeem missed prophecies? Yeah. So this is particularly in line with a directional word, because if we stick to edification, exhortation and comfort, you know, the way I teach the people I train, you can't really hurt anything or mess anything up too bad if you're so just good. exhorting somebody or, hey, you know, the Lord says he loves you. He's, he's, he's going to bless you in this season. And I mean, some of that's a little obscure and it's just, OK, God's going to bless all of us. So it's, it, you know, that's the simple gift where it's not necessarily so specific. It's not national level. It's not directional. When we prophesy a directional word, like for example, the Lord wants you to move to California and in the next 30 days, he is going to open up some opportunities and you need to be preparing now to sell your house because those opportunities are going to only be there for a moment. And you miss that word. I think part of redeeming that is going back to the person, not just apologizing, 
but praying with them through that. If now this is if you have relationship, this is why we have to be very careful as pastors, as leaders. You have a church that that with the people we bring in to minister at our altar that we can trust them and trust their utterances. That's so good. Come on. Because, yeah, because otherwise, if we're just inviting in this one, that one, and the other one to have no relationship, we don't know what they're going to say. And they could actually, they might not be acting. We don't know them. Bible says we're supposed to know each other by the spirit. So, but if, if you're in relationship, if I prophesied over you that, you know, you're going to go to Afghanistan, have this big revival, and it was going to happen by December 31st, and, and it didn't happen, I would feel compelled to come back to you and say, look, Sean, this is how I missed it. And, and But you know what? I prayed, and Lord, I really do believe there's a, uh, there, there is something in Afghanistan for you. I got it partially right. I got it partially wrong. Because again, a lot of times, you know, it's, it's partially right. There's, there's, there's a good word in there, but sometimes we add to it or sometimes we hold back from saying all of it because we don't want to offend somebody. These are all issues, especially those coming up in the prophetic. I think the more seasoned voices, um, we don't really get swayed by that. But some of these younger ones that are coming up, very gifted, very gifted. And maybe they're concerned about offending somebody or putting too much pressure on something. Maybe maybe they got the date and they didn't release the date. So the person didn't have an urgency about it. So there's all this swirl around dates, no dates and all this stuff. But I think if you've missed it, beyond apologizing, you pray through it. What was the Lord really trying to say? Because he was trying to say something. You know, you probably didn't make it up, right? So what was the Lord saying and how can we help get this person get back on track? Because we just kind of took their life off course for a little while. That's so good. And you have an online prophetic score and I've heard you teach and just powerful things that obviously the three components of that prophetic word is it, you know, there's the, the revelation, interpretation and application. Yes. And so there's an opportunity at each point. You can have that revelation from the throne, but your interpretation and application could be slightly off. Mm -hmm. And we know in part, prophesy in part, sometimes, like you said, that we'll prophesy and we'll have that aspect of God, but then our own thoughts kind of kick in and impressions and we add that. And it wasn't that it was demonic. It wasn't that it was of the devil. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it, it could be very complimentary, but we've got to find that place of being able to put the period where God puts the period and, and not cut it off if God's continually sharing. You said in your book, your protocol 50 is don't let your emotions get involved. Just, man, run with that because, man, Jennifer, I yeah. honestly feel that that is the that's the deal right now, right there. That is. Well, you know, so we're all emotional beings and God gave us emotions. God has emotions. He just doesn't have haywire emotions. God's emotions are steady. They're stable. You know, he's not up or down. He's He, he is a, a immutable God. He's unchangeable. He doesn't change his mind. There's no shifting shadow of turning in him. If he said it, he'll do it. Uh, but sometimes we allow our emotions to cloud uh, what the Holy Spirit is saying. And it might not be, as you rightly pointed out, and I love that you did, it might not be that we heard him wrong. It might be that we are interpreting it according to our bias, our wants, our needs, our fears. And so we've got to be careful not to let our emotions supersede the word of God in our prophetic ministry. It, it's an example of the danger. Let me put it this way, bitterness. So if as prophets, we are emotional beings, we have to learn how to separate soul from spirit. But if you are having the trial of your life, maybe you're a pastor and, and you're just, your, your marriage is falling apart. You're trying to put it back together. A responsible pastor might take a couple Sundays off and not minister because they know their soul is compromised. Um, I saw a prophet one time and, and, and he was 
you know, saying he was having a nervous breakdown and he couldn't go on in ministry anymore. And but yet a week later, he was prophesying. That concerns me because we all go through trials. We all go through tribulations. But when we have unforgiveness in our heart, we can prophesy out of that unforgiveness. We, we release judgmental prophecies when we have bitterness in our heart. We sound like angry prophets. And so we have to be very, very careful not to, I've heard so many of the, what I call judgment prophets, they've been around forever. They're always pronouncing doom and gloom. And right. you know, I think, yeah, I think that there's just something off with their relationship with Jesus. Like they don't really know the true Jesus, but I think also somewhere along the line, they may have been hurt by religion. And so they mm. become the thing they don't, they don't like, but I think we have to, and rejection as well. If a prophet has rejection, yes. then the prophet's going to prophesy for attention potentially. And so we, we have to be aware if we need, you know, healing and healing or deliverance or, you know, because we will, if we don't, if we're not careful, it's not hard to prophesy beyond what I say, beyond the grace of God. Whereas as a prophet, you have an office, you have a gift, you can, you can prophesy out of that gift. But if there's not an unction and there's not a grace, then it can be dangerous to do that because you can easily get into your flesh or your emotions. I hope that makes sense. Oh, absolutely makes sense. I think we recognize that, like, for instance, you know, you've counseled, I've counseled, you know, there's a, a young couple starting to get together and, you know, the girl is, is he the one? And <laughs> the guy is, she the one? And they come to mentors or, or people that can look at this thing and be uh, objective because when you're yeah. in that and your emotions are flying, you're very subjective. And, and I've dealt with so many uh, younger people, they're convinced that person's the one. And then you, you, you just challenge them to look at a couple things and they get out of their feelings, out of their emotions. And they go, oh my God, I was about to make the biggest mistake of my life. Because like you said, we emotions, even in the Bible, Moses got caught up in an emotion. He was mad at the people. He uh, struck the rock when he was supposed to speak to the rock. But you here you have this great, and he's the meekest man on earth. Of course, he wrote that about himself, but he was inspired <laughs> of the Holy Spirit to do so. But I just think, man, if Moses, if emotion can get Moses, Faith Hall of Fame Moses, you know, of course, we, we should recognize that becomes part and parcel of our makeup is humanity. And at the same time, you can be swayed also in your emotions. Maybe it's not just you feeling rejection or you feeling a sadness or hurt, but your emotion, you, you can come under a bit of a kind of peer pressure by other people and what they're kind of wanting to hear. And, and it's not that you're a bad person, but you can feel the pressure. My wife, Krista, she was telling me recently we were in a meeting and she said she, she felt because of the posture of the house, she felt such a pressure to, as she began to prophesy, prophesy certain things. So she had to deliberately stop and come against that and get back to that. I'm just going to speak the word of the Lord and let it land where it lands because she's responsible or any of us are responsible to be obedient to what it is that, that God has, has given us. If you felt that at different times of just maybe a pressure around, and again, we're emotional beings to, that you felt like there was a pressure towards a certain word or whatever. Yeah, I felt pressure to prophesy over the presidency. And we had a repentance prayer meeting and I began to prophesy and I could feel it. It was so strong. And I did prophesy about corruption because I do believe there was corruption. Mm -hmm. um, I, there's always been corruption in government. That's really right. not, that's not a prophetic news flash. OK, so <laughs> but the, the, the prophecy was very encouraging. It basically said that, you know, we're going to win no matter what. But I felt my I felt so much pressure to say and Trump will take. And I just I didn't because I knew I knew it wasn't the Lord. I knew it was what the people in the prayer rally wanted me to hear. I do believe and this is going to be the controversial part, but I do believe it was the will of God for uh, Trump to win. But God wasn't saying the point is God wasn't saying that to me. I felt the pressure from the outside side 
to say it. And I'm grateful that I didn't say it because I would, um, I would have been being disobedient to, to what I was hearing. Wow. That is, that's so good. And, and you know, you're, you're, you're right. There is this pressure sometimes that you feel from people and even people, you know, will walk up to different people and say, Hey, do you have a word for me? You have a word for me. And you, you, you tell that they're in a very tough time. Yeah. And, you know, I, I usually respond, Hey, I'll pray for you, but you know, we'll see uh, whether or not the Lord will, will give me something, but I'll pray for you because again, you don't want to come under that pressure because after a while, you you start to manufacture and produce things and add God's name to it, and mm-hmm. it, it really isn't the Lord at all. You said on Protocol 41, you said as part of your prophetic protocol, do point people to Jesus. And that's something that if someone will allow that to be the foundational bedrock of their prophetic ministry, it would be huge and save us from a whole lot of stuff. Can you speak to that, Jennifer, of that protocol, do point people to Jesus? Yes, because Jesus is the prototype prophet. So First of all, all prophets, if you want to, you see a lot of comparison in prophetic ministry where I want to be like this one, I want to be like that one. We should only compare ourselves to Jesus. Some, you know, some people right now are saying, well, there's more false prophets than true prophets. I don't believe that. I believe, believe there's not. I believe false prophets will rise in the end times, like Jesus said. Um, but I think that there are some prophets and you see them, you know, you see them on social media where they really are pointing people to themselves. It's about them. Yes. You know, you can't defy me. This is what Ooh. God said. How dare you question me? And we see very few of those. And but they're out there that that have done this for the last 20 years. This is nothing new. But see, we should you know, the, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's ministry is to exalt Jesus and to share with us what Jesus is saying. And so if Jesus is not at the center of our ministry, we have the wrong center. You know, apostles and prophets are the foundation of the church with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, according to Ephesians 3 and 20. And so we have to be as prophets plumb line to Jesus and we have to plumb line our those who follow our ministry to Jesus, because if we point them towards ourselves. Any good pastor or counselor will tell you the same thing. You're counseling somebody. We want to keep pointing them to Jesus because he's the answer man. We don't want them to become dependent upon us. So prophets, we have to be careful because even despite our best intentions, we might not be trying to cause them to draw unto us for prophecy, but we have to continue pointing them back to Jesus. And more so, one way you do that One way you do that as a prophet, one way you point them toward Jesus is to equip them to hear from God for themselves so that they're not over-dependent on you. And I still think, look, we all need a pastor. We all need a prophet. I believe we all need a teacher. We all need to to, um, partake of the ministry of the fivefold. But in the prophetic in particular, boy, I tell you, Jesus clearly said it. My sheep know my voice. So I believe that's the primary function of the New Testament prophet is to point people to Jesus, to hearing his voice, to teach them how to judge the word so that they're not deceived in the last days. Oh, that is so good, Jennifer. Wow. Right now, Jennifer, I I just want to really ask you, there there are people out there listening that they're a little shell-shocked. Some people, their tail is between their legs. Some people are a bit disillusioned. What would you say right now, just kind of going forward, uh, words that could just encourage people to walk this thing out, to keep their eyes on Jesus, to... uh, just recognize that, hey, God is still in control. He's still sovereign. 
What could you say just encourage listeners right now as it relates to that? Yeah. You know, in 2007, the Lord woke me up at midnight and gave me a word that he wanted to bring a third great awakening to America. And subsequently, he told me that that awakening would spill out over the shores of the U.S. into other nations. And so that was 14, if my math is right, 14 years ago. And I've been that's been really my key message of my ministry. That's why we're called Awakening House of Prayer. That's why we're called Awakening Prayer Hubs. So I would say we need to move forward. We need to begin to understand that God is not a one-issue God. Uh, He's after souls. He's trying to bring the prodigals home. He wants to see his church strengthened. You know, he's, he's, he's got a lot of things on his heart. And Mike Bickle taught me this. Find out what God is doing in any generation and get on board with that. And so that's what we need to do. We need to be very careful right now that we don't let hope deferred make our hearts sick, that we don't let discouragement, disappointment, or weariness and intercession uh, keep us from continuing to press in. Because if we do not grow weary in well-doing, there's a harvest of souls. There's a harvest of awakening. I truly, truly believe with all my heart that eventually we will get to this other side of 2 Chronicles 7.14, that God will heal the land. We've been praying and repenting. And I know many of you uh, that are listening to this podcast, you are on fire for God and you want answers, I would say, keep your eyes on Jesus. He's got his eyes on you. Understand that God is bringing awakening. And sometimes, and I hate it that it's this way, but sometimes things have to get a little dark or uh, a little unpleasant in some ways before the church wakes up. I think a lot of the church has woken up. And I think that if we can stay woke, then we can really see God move in a mighty, mighty way. So don't give up on the revival, the awakening. Uh, Keep your eyes on him. He's got you. He'll keep you in perfect peace. So good. Jennifer, seriously, I could almost jump through (laughs) this microphone. I love that. Cool to others. But I just want to say again, her book, Prophetic Protocols and Ethics, is probably the most, I would say, profound, precise. There's no wasted words in that book, she gets right down. So Jennifer, how can we get in contact? I know there are people that are listening that just love just your spirit, the plumb line, uh, the, your your revelation. How do we stay in touch with you? Yeah, so my website is jenniferleclair.org. Here in South Florida, we have a church called Awakening House of Prayer. And uh, the, the movement, the prayer movement is awakeningprayerhubs.com. And you know, we're in 25 nations now. So uh, wherever you are in the world, when you listen to this, we are contending for awakening and transforming revival. So the babies will be saved. The prodigals will come home. The souls will be brought into the kingdom. That's what it's all about. So I'd love to hear from some of you and uh, we're praying for you. Awesome. Oh my God. Jennifer, sure appreciate you. Krista and I, we love you. Can't wait till next time we're together. Thanks so much for being with us on Keep It 100. Pray for her in her ministry. We sure love you. Thank you, Sean. Love you guys too. Wow. Come on. Jennifer LeClaire is incredible. The revelation and the practicals that she brought in relation to prophetic protocol were gold. Yes. And I love Jennifer's ministry in that she is equally strong in the word and revelation. Yes. And so I feel like... I love when a person is a two-winged bird, as I love to say. They have one wing of the spirit and one wing of the word of God. And she definitely possesses that. Absolutely. Keep It 100 Tribe, as always, we want to bring you the Keep It 100 Takeaways, which are principles that we believe as we're talking about prophetic protocols that we feel will help you. And so the first thing is when it comes to prophetic ministry, understand that the worst thing that could ever happen, if you step out in the prophetic, settle this, the absolute worst thing that could ever happen is that you miss it. But 
Think about it. When you miss it, you can humble yourself. And when you humble yourself, you end up growing in your gift as a result. That's good. So, so many people are afraid of the prophetic, like, oh, I might miss it. Well, let me just share something with you. Because this thing is not a science, it is an art. You learn how to dance with Holy Spirit. There are going to be times when you move left and the Holy Spirit was moving right. But you'll learn from that and you'll learn how to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. So if you miss it, you humble yourself. Remember this, humility always is attractive to heaven. Humility will always attract grace. And if you get more grace, you will grow as a result of that. So good. The second takeaway that we want you to walk away with today is as a prophetic person, you must commit to continuing and get accountability to a healthy and biblical authority. I really am a strong believer. So is Sean that prophetic has needs a community. Prophetic people were never intended to just be islands and off by themselves, but there is power and even maturity, accountability, and a health that comes as a prophetic person by being connected with other prophetic people, by having that accountability, allowing people to speak into your prophetic gift, even to the prophetic words you're releasing, there has to be that feedback, the growing, the maturing and recognizing you're not always going to nail it. Sean just talked about that. And that the first takeaway and understanding that even in the times we may miss it, that's okay. It's an opportunity to learn, grow, but there has to be accountability, biblical authority and community in helping you mature in that. There has to be that with one another. The third and final takeaway today is you the goal of the your prophetic ministry the third and final takeaway is the goal of your prophetic ministry must be Christ-like love and not presumed elitism or impure motives this could not be more important do you know the prophetic ministry's whole intent is to point people to Jesus yes but so many people have made it point to them here's the thing about the prophetic ministry because it's public a lot of people look to the vessel they might look to me oh Krista or Sean or whoever it is you know released a prophetic word over me. It's them. No, no, it's not us. We're simply a vehicle. We're simply a vessel that the Lord flows through. But this is all about having God's kids encounter the father. All the purpose of the prophetic ministry is to edify, to build people up, to let people see how Jesus sees them, to point them to Jesus. And so we simply help encounters. We help people connect where they've maybe been disconnected. We help take off filters or uh, blinders where they haven't seen God or themselves in the right light. And what the prophetic does is it removes those blinders, it removes those filters, and then it brings brings a right perspective of who they are in God and how God sees them. So there's this reconnection that's so powerful that can happen with the perfect ministry. And we can think that's us, but nothing could be farther from the truth. You have to understand that as a prophetic person, we have to move from a place of humility that we're servants of God first and foremost. And then we are called to love the people in front of us. And this ministry of the prophetic is simply with that intent and that motive. You know, Keep It 100 Tribe, we're so passionate about the prophetic ministry. It's credibility, it's authenticity, and of course, it's rooted in the love and the kindness and the truth of Jesus. We love people being edified, build up, and reconnecting with their Savior, Jesus. That's where we're spending some time. This episode, next episode, we're really talking to you about the prophetic protocol, but also the conversation of, hey, let's make sure and not pull away from the prophetic ministry, but learn from the times where there is this kind of 
of uh, challenge in navigating how do we move forward in kind of challenging prophetic times. I want you to know God is still talking. He's still moving. He's still encountering. And the prophetic ministry is an important vehicle and vessel in which God is moving through even in this hour. And guess what? You have an invitation to be a part of that. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Keep it 100 Tribe. You do not want to miss next episode. We're going to continue this conversation and we're going to talk our next episode about retrieving and redeeming the prophetic expression. It's so important that you understand how valuable this gift is and also that God wants to use you in this gift. And so we want to talk about some things that we believe will help you to step into this and to grow in that expression. Also remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram and seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it